You're listening to The Girl Dad Show. Welcome to Season 3 of The Girl Dad Show, where we explore the intersection of parenthood and entrepreneurial spirit. Join me and some incredible guests as we share tips and tricks for finding work-life balance and making a positive impact not only on the world, but also our families. Let's create a fulfilling life together. It's The Girl Dad Show, Season 3. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. Today, I have Rose with me, who was the varsity captain for the volleyball team at MIT, and then she was the second strategic financial hire at Uber, and then now she is embarking on the latest adventure, building as the founder and CEO of Sadozi, the premier procurement software in the world. Rose, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today on The Girl Dad Show. Well, thank you for those kind words, Young. What an introduction. <laughs> I try my best, but I do want to hear a little bit more about what you do. Do you mind telling the the listeners what you do at Sedozi and what you're working on? Yeah. So Sedozi is a, a financial software. We focus on the procurement workflows, procurement analytics, and uh, we work with companies, uh, you know, several hundred employees, several thousand employees. And the way I uh, decided to do this, the reason why I'm doing this is because it actually is a pain point that I felt in many different CFO roles prior. So really, I think that procurement is sort of a secret weapon to help companies achieve better profitability, save more money, reduce wasted spend, all of that good stuff that every business owner wants. Yeah, and how many uh, finance roles have you had? Because I'm assuming that uh, Uber wasn't the only one, right? No, no, but I had probably like you know 10 lifetimes within Uber <laughs> just because of the, <laughs> the way the company grew and the different roles I had there. Um, working backwards, I was CFO of a Series C startup, uh, VC backed here in Austin called Skill Factor. Prior to that, I was VP Finance at Funbox. And as many people know, at any VC backed company, fast growth company, you have every six months you have a new role. Um, that Uber prior to that. And then working backwards, I was actually in uh, the operations department at iTunes, um, leading data science and analytics for the Apple TV and movies uh, functions. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't, I didn't report to the CFO. But I work very closely with finance, obviously, and uh, various business partners there. It's amazing. And it sounds like you just had a very dizzying array of um, high profile experiences. I mean, starting from school at MIT and just kind of being a, 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 a like a high profile school and then going to high profile companies. What <laughs> made you stop that and start a company and go down the opposite route of being a, a yeah. builder? Uh, well, it might seem like that because I have enough of these roles. I also did a lot of random other things like coach volleyball and um, things that didn't quite succeed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so those, those just didn't make it to the highlight reel. But that's okay. I love it. Okay, um, I, pre I appreciate you saying that. You're already making me feel a lot better about myself. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and you know, failed job applications, all all sorts of things. So happy to talk about that and the realities of just navigating career and and now family as well. Um, what what got me started with Sudozi was I, I felt pretty strongly about the type of workflows and data and analytics that finance and companies should be looking at to make decisions about their investments. Right, a lot of times we think about spend as like a bad thing as an expense, but really, you know, where does your revenue come from? Your revenue comes from investments that you're making within the company. And if you don't have clear visibility to those investments and how they're being deployed and who you're working with to deploy those investments, you really can't correlate that strongly with revenue. So in my prior roles, I had you know, worked with great teams and built out internal 
Google Sheets and analytics and processes to essentially have this connectivity of visibility and data analytics that was as automated as possible. And as we all know, you can only automate so much with Google Sheets and email and Slack. And yeah. if you can layer on some software engineering and some true you know, technical um, advancements we've made in other industries and bring that to, to finance and investment management, spend management, um, that really can accelerate companies and you know let them save more money, hire fewer staff, move faster on decisions, all that good stuff. So that's what really drove me in terms of being venture backed. You know, initially we had actually bootstrapped the company and built the software with some consulting engineers offshore. But um, there was an opportunity. It was also 2021, and we decided to. When I say we, myself, <laughs> mostly yeah. decided to to go the venture back route, and I had some former colleagues at Uber that were interested and, and I was interested in working with them. And so really to, to, to have, you know, us based full-time employees, I decided to go the, um, the venture back route. I'm actually, um, surprised. I didn't know that you even try to bootstrap it. That actually is even more um, interesting to me. So why would you try to bootstrap it? Well, first of all, I was coming off of a CFO role and it was really like a side like uh, something to keep me busy while I, I was unwinding from the prior role. You were um, tinkering. Yes, I was tinkering around. I didn't want to, you know, it's a, it's a commitment to hire someone full-time, right? And Isn't you it? don't want to lead them down a path where, oh, there's no job later in six months, right? So you want That's to be, right. you want to have more confidence in, um, in, you know, respecting that individual's time and career path too. And so um, decided to choose an option. And it was someone we knew who had an offshore company in India who uh, yeah, had great engineers there, so worked with a team there. And uh, another you know, consideration is you know, not every company should be a venture-backed company. right? We see a lot of that these days where there may have been yeah, some, some companies that were venture-backed that don't have the growth or don't have the profitability that really um, warrant that type of investment. Maybe it's a different type of funding that they should have um, gone for. And so really to understand and, and have a thesis around that before going down that route. Yeah, I actually am very um, glad to hear you say that. I feel like that's something that we've like lost track of over the last three years is just yeah. like yeah. the optionality of funding. And I think there's just been this kind of fervor around venture back funding, right? And like the funding itself is now the prize or the goal, which is kind of like... Um, hard to fathom as a finance person, right? It's like, where does the, where does the money equal out? Right. And so, yep. um, yep. it's very good to, for you to say that. And I can't wait to cut that into a little, uh, TikTok for me to share with people because <laughs> I think it's, it needs to be said more often, right? Like, you yeah. don't, you know, the, the point isn't to raise money. The point is to build an awesome business, you know? And so well, well, really I would say further, that. the point isn't even to build an awesome business. The point is to build a business that solves a lot of people's problems. <laughs> and there you go. So that's yeah. like the, the, the further step there. It's great. It's a, a great business comes out as an outcome too. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great mindset. That's a great business approach, Rose. Let's switch <laughs> gears. Let's, does it, does it mimic that same approach that mimic in your parenting? What's your parenting approach? Yeah, I mean, my parenting approach, I don't know if I even, like, this is how, like, not strategic I am in some categories. I didn't think, <laughs> um, you know, thinking, uh, optimizing and thinking for the long term, right? Like, the, um, not, there's only so many things you can really pay attention to and focus on and, and drill in, right? Like, you can't, like, give them a lecture about 
every single thing that they're doing during the day. So if you are um, prioritizing what you want to communicate, what you want to focus on, what takeaways you want them to have, what experiences you want them to have, how you how you want them to feel, um, you can't optimize everything, right? Like literally half an hour before this call, trying to brush their teeth, entire shirt got wet, <laughs> won't let me brush first, they have to brush and then I can do a check. Like, dude, all right, I got you into the bathroom and got some toothpaste <laughs> and toothbrush in your mouth. That's like a win for the morning, right? Um, so really like being selective and the same with business, same with operations, like being selective of what you actually focus on and yeah. making sure that the important things are communicated in a calm way, but not, you know, not trying to focus on everything. I love that, that that's the similarity. What are some of the differences? Cause I know you started to allude to the fact that you're not as strategic in all aspects, but I'm assuming you're fairly strategic and uh, rigorous in your Sudozi business, but are those, are those things kind of more less uh, articulated in the family side or do you kind of let things go <laughs> as it goes or? Yeah, I would say, um, and this might be just a difference in business versus like raising kids, right? Like I've never seen, I've never had a, uh, my child's four now, I've never had a five-year-old child. So I literally don't know what that looks like in my position, right? But in in prior in, in, in work or business, like there are other Series A companies out there. There mm -hmm. are other, you know, I'm not running them, but I think there's a lot of data that I can get pretty close up. And every company is different too. So I'm not saying, you know, things are repeatable across companies, but there's just a little bit more personality and um, risk, I don't know, risk, the unexpected behaviors and things that um, I just don't know. So I have to be a little bit more flexible for <laughs> uh whereas like i i kind of know which milestones we have to hit to you know raise a series a or raise a series b um in the venture back world so um that then translates to me making sure that uh, going back to that other point like what do i want to focus on right and how much energy do i want to put on one thing versus another i think because because there, there's not as clear of a right path in raising the kids, I, um, I probably am even less enforceful. <laughs> I don't know, enforceful is the right word. But like I, I'm, I, I feel even less strongly about some of the opinions I hold um, going into certain circumstances just because I, I don't know as much in that you know, new frontier age group that I'm dealing with. That's interesting. Yeah, I love that approach. And I, I think I share that same kind of sentiment as you do. I, um, I'm i fairly operationally um, tight. I, I like things to be, if, I'm going to use the word forceful and enforceful. I like things in a box. I like things very neat and systematized, right? I like things to like have a clear start and end. But then when it comes to parenting, I don't have any like it's almost the exact opposite. There's almost no boxes. And and um, it's it's incredibly funny to hear you say that, you know, and kind of like articulate it uh, because I know I, I think I understand like way more than you may realize because, you know, people just assume that I'm super organized with my kids. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm I'm the exact opposite as it relates to work and family because I don't know how to handle them. I can't reason with them like I can reason with uh, business. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. ways that I can like take best practices, frameworks and systems, and it does not work with a uh, toddler, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. if anything, it causes complete chaos and mayhem and it's just absolute ridiculousness and you can't fire them. 
And so, um, you're, you're just, you just have to learn how to work past it. And so I've become very, very, uh, empathetic to what you're saying and probably way worse off, um, than, um, what you're even alluding to. Well, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> yeah. um, so has your approach started to evolve over time as you started to think about like, you know, um, what you want for them as they get older? Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I, the, one of my main goals is making sure that I'm, I don't unintentionally close any doors for them by enforcing certain things or, um, you know, nudging them towards one behavior that I think is right, but, um, you know, may dampen their creativity later on, for instance. Mm. Right? And so I think that's one thing I am I'm trying to be aware of is that like when I um, share comments or when I do things, you know, is that, um, for example, if, if they have a creative thought, but it's like not that accepted, like running around naked at the house when they're guests over, right? Like, <laughs> do, how, how much do we embrace that creative thought versus how much are we like, um, no, go back into the bathroom, go take a shower. <laughs> um, so, and, and I think, um, from, you know, a lot of successful business professionals, a lot of entrepreneurs for sure, um, you see that creativity that is like almost childlike, right? Like, wow, how did you think about that? Like, I never thought about that design or that user mm. experience or that product. And um, and you wonder like, hey, what was their upbringing like to have encouraged that and have that maintained decades later? Um, and how does that translate to, you know, still be able to take a shower and have some sort of routine in the house, but maintaining that creativity? So just striking that balance there i think is um it, it, it's something that i'm aware of and i'm not sure i do it <laughs> who knows if i actually do it right but it's something that i think about yeah i mean like gi joe said you know knowing's half the battle i think just being aware of that is super important and it sounds like you're very conscious of the fact that that's that's important to you to you mm-hmm. know not tamper their creativity while also mm-hmm. balancing mm-hmm. structure mm-hmm. that's that's fantastic and i i um i um I'm learning how similar we are. It's kind of fun listening to you yeah. talk because I'm the same way. I, I actually like don't want them to necessarily go into operations or business or finance. I would love it if they did because then we could like bond over, you know, my my passions. <laughs> good at, doing podcasts. In doing podcasts. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, but I do I do want them to just um, experience a lot. Right. And just like figure out what what, you know, what the world is and what they like about things and just like try as many things as possible. And so it's a very uh, challenging balance because, you know, um, I think that you also have to make sure that they stay alive. Right. And like, you know, they brush their teeth and they're healthy and do all these things, but yeah, it's a, it's a tricky balance, but I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this way. So, um, as it relates to being, you know, kind of that driving force of like giving them opportunity to, um, you know, be creative and, and have those thoughts while also giving them routine, how are you navigating that while building a business? Because, like both of those things are incredibly time consuming. I can't imagine you being a yeah, series absolutely. A company and saying like, oh yeah, it's super easy. I have all the time in the world. The series A uh, founders are typically um, uh, tired, <laughs> tired <laughs> and busy. So yeah. yeah, talk to me about your experience uh, building a company or early stage company and being a yeah. parent. Yeah, I'm happy to share. I, I As I mentioned, like I, so my younger son is um, two and a half. He'll be three you know, early next year. And it's about the same age as the company. Uh, so we launched a product literally like 
probably two weeks before I gave birth to my second child. No way. And part of that is That's because so it was like a side project, right? So I was doing a side project while I was pregnant and uh, it kind of rolled into this thing. And now we have, I, I joke, we have twins. Um, but first of all, just really having a support system. I'm having a great family, great husband. Um, my parents are, you know, they don't live here, but they, they do come if we need them to help out or whatnot. They're here for the holidays. Um, I think that's one, just having, you know, great, great people, amazing people around you. The second thing is be okay with what you want to, um, let go of and not control. All right. So being okay, getting help. So we've had a full-time nanny. Uh, we go to a Montessori school here and dude, I'm not involved in the curriculum like at all. It's like, Oh yeah, you're going to teach them that great. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll get some pictures and stuff. Um, so definitely like being, and, and not everyone's like that. Right. And I know there are certain aspects of my life where I do not. Okay. Like letting go of certain things and I want to just run it. I want to maintain control of different parts. So knowing what you're okay, sort of getting help with just kind of like, it's very similar to building a team, right? Like you can't do everything. You can't be the IC for every single function. Um, then finally I'd say being able to operate on less sleep. It's probably not the healthiest thing long term, but as you mentioned, like like I, I I don't know what other founders are like. I'm more of a late night person, so I work every night from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. No matter what the day was like, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's just an extra four hours I find in the day to to get work done. Yeah, um, I I uh, love that you just shared that. <laughs> that's like that's awesome. Cause I feel like a crazy person when I tell people that, but, um, I do the same. Um, I, yeah, I absolutely do the same, but it does allow me the flexibility to, um, be a little bit more integrated during the day. So like yesterday I was able to like take time out to go to my kids, um, holiday party at school. And so oh, that's yeah, like for sure. really, exactly. that's really fun for me to be able to like, yep. you yep. know, stop in the middle of the day. Cause I know I have that four or five hours in the evening. Yeah, sleep, exactly. Right? And so it justifies yeah. it for me, but not only justifies it, it physically allows me to do that, you know, while yeah. not it can be double edged sword, right? Because like you have this extra talk to time. me about it. Yeah, talk uh, to me about well, it. Yeah, what no, do you mean? certainly like you have this extra time. So you, you you there are cutoffs during the day, right? Like I have to go get them for, you know, dinner. I have to, you know, do some prep for dinner, et cetera. Like that happens and and I I'm pretty um you know, there obviously there's travel and some stuff, but I'm, I'm home most of the nights and we're doing dinner and doing bath and bedtime and stories together, right? So that's a pretty important time of day. Uh, but, but you can do that, like you said, because you know you have this extra time. And so sometimes uh, it's good and bad, right? It gives you a little bit more flexibility during the day to actually think a bit more and not just, you know, crank out these 20 emails that you have to send out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the downside is you, like, we all probably should sleep a little bit more. And, um, you know, knowing that you have that extra pocket of time in the evening can be a blessing and a curse too. Yeah, totally is. Absolutely. And I hope that, you know, as my kids get older, it becomes, um, less physical. And I think our kids are the same age, so Mm -hmm, it's very mm -hmm. physical, but I've heard from a lot of my mentors that have older kids that the, the, the struggle of parenthood moves from physicality to, um, mental Mental gymnastics. Yeah, mental, <laughs> mental pain and torture. Um, and so um, it does allow for you to like, you know, be able to sleep more, you know, and so mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. does move. So hopefully, 
you know, that that's a time and stage of being a parent. Hopefully that helps you feel a little bit more hopeful at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Feel a little light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. Um, the, the pain moves in different ways, but, um, I'd love to know, like, um, are you doing things for yourself, like to, uh, continue to like, um, adapt, you know, as the, you know, as you learn more about being a parent and being an entrepreneur, like what, what, what are you actively trying to do to like, think about this problem and assess it? Right. Because it sounds like you're, you're pretty, pretty thoughtful about how it's impacting your life and what you're doing. Um, what else are you doing to like build those routines or habits or are you, are you learning anything new that you can do to like help you as you adapt? This episode of the girl dad show is brought to you by owners club as a business owner myself. I know firsthand how challenging the journey can be, whether it's having someone that I can ask a very tactical question to, or just being able to share my big successes without guilt. Building a business is a lonely journey and it does not have to be. After building and coaching dozens of businesses to success, there is one insight that is so obvious and simple, yet hard to execute. And that is network equals net worth. And so if you're a growth-minded, supportive, smart, and hardworking business owner looking for a community of like-minded entrepreneurs to build with, look no further than the Owners Club. You will make lifelong friends and build your business that works for you. You can learn more online at owners.club. Um, maybe I'll answer that in a, in a slightly different way, which is just like, how do I carve out time for myself and things that, you know, I used to do when I was like single before getting married. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, the honest truth is there's not, there's not a ton of time. Um, but you know, we do, I, I, I am purposeful about at least carving out some time every year to have like one-on-one time with each of my kids and obviously time with my husband and time with my parents and time with my brother. And so, um, you know, for example, last year, I, I, it was the first year we probably could do this. Like I did a, did a one-on-one trip to Atlanta with my older son who was at the time he was three turning four. Um, and, um, my husband and I are doing a quick, uh, trip over the holidays while my parents are here. And so I think that, time with family is great but then actually double clicking on that and and seeing how you're allocating that time and what percentage is going to like group family time what percentage is going to one-on-one and then of course at the end of the day i also want to have a little time for myself so i recently started to just do some walks like (laughs) i know that sounds so silly and when i was playing volleyball and i was much more active earlier in my life i would be like why are these people just walking? Why don't they go like work out or do? And now I understand why these people are just walking because sometimes you don't have the time, you don't have the mental capacity to go do like a heavy like weight workout or go to a yoga class or something. So getting that 20, 30 minute walk in around your neighborhood is maybe all you can squeeze in during the day. And I've um, at, at least started to prioritize that, <laughs> which is great. And it gives you it, not, not only the like the, you actually get quite a bit of like just physical benefits from moving around for 20 to 30 minutes uh, walking and as silly as that may sound, but it's actually significantly better than just sitting here. Um, and it, it gives you time to think. It gives you time to listen to your favorite podcast, catch up on the, uh, you know, the girl dad show or whatever it is that um, is more of like that, that me time. And, and I think if you go out seeking to improve yourself and to all these things and be super efficient with that, um, I'm sure you'll you'll achieve it, but in my experience, it's been some of like thinking outside the box or listening to a podcast like this or something else that 
actually I can take those lessons and apply it back to my personal life. So I don't know if I'm actively seeking to like improve myself um, directly, but I think I'm improving myself through all these other activities that I'm doing, um, including some work activities too. Yeah, I love that. And I, I totally agree with the sentiment of the walk. I think that, you know, oftentimes um, um, it, it's so hard to to even like justify doing anything for yourself. And I think that it's incredibly important because if you can find that time to like even walk, it's like both physical, but it's also mental. It's like a mental mm-hmm. escape for a minute too, giving yourself your brain a break. And it, I think it allows you to be a better parent because I think that a lot of the times I have such a hard time being a parent because I'm such a, I'm a much better kid than I'm a parent, right? I'm a much better friend to my kids than I'm a parent. And so when things get really tense, like I, I'm like, oftentimes I don't need the physicality. I actually need the mental break from them to come mm-hmm. back and like, go, okay, I need to be a better parent by being more patient and, um, you know, walking through the reasoning behind this stuff. And so I think it's an incredibly powerful statement and I love the way that you answered it. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about your childhood and like how you grew up? What, what, what kind of led you to having this kind of mindset? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, so I was born in Shanghai, uh, when I was a three, I came to the U S with my mom. My dad was already here and, um, we moved around a bit due to his profession. He was actually a cancer researcher. So worked at different research universities and then became a pathologist. So, um, I actually learned this recently that my first night in the U S was spent at a hotel airport near Chicago here because my mom had missed Well, my mom, the, the, the incoming flight from Shanghai had missed the connection from Chicago to Rochester, New York, which is where oh my, my dad was. And he was at the university of Rochester. So my first night in the U.S. was in Chicago, and and we caught a flight the next morning to Rochester, New York. Uh, so yeah, so lived there. Lived. I went um, moved down to Atlanta. My dad was at Emory for a little bit, and went to kindergarten there. And then he was a resident at West Virginia University. So we moved to Morgantown, West Virginia, and I spent some time there. And then uh, eventually we moved and found our way to Long Island. And so um, initially we were in Nassau County at Winthrop Hospital, which is now part of NYU. And then he moved to be a full-time pathologist at a hospital system further east, so in Suffolk County. So my parents still live about an hour east of New York City. And that's when I went to uh, high school, uh, middle school and high school. Yeah, that's awesome. And so how, have your, uh, how do your parents think about you um, starting this business? And what are their thoughts on um, you kind of navigating from a, from a researcher parent to uh, now uh, you know, having a daughter that's a startup founder? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I didn't really have any exposure to startup life and technology and um, having, you know, coming up and being raised in like the Chinese system, my parents are very much uh, optimizing for test scores and test taking. And so I definitely had uh, a fair amount of that rigor drilled into me uh, when I was younger. And so the, the so I've, I've been, you know, very, I would say ambitious and um, ambitious plus curious, uh, probably more curious now than, than earlier. Um, and it, jokes on them. So now they think I work too hard and I, I should, my mom <laughs> every night, like, are you going to bed yet? Are you going to bed yet? Are you going to bed yet? And yeah. Like, Dude, how do you think I got this way? Yeah. <laughs> it's because of the rigor earlier on. And so, but, but of course it's, it's also like, I'm very interested in what I'm doing and I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Um, but the, definitely had an influence from my childhood to be hardworking, be curious, you know, do different things. And 
I really didn't have any exposure to technology uh, until um, yeah, at least high school, if not college. So that, yeah. that's, I would say, the biggest shift. I, I actually applied at MIT thinking, you know, I was going to be a biology major and go into med oh, school or really? something like that. Um, yeah, because that's all that's all I knew, right? That was my world in, in the medical and the sciences. Um, but of course, it's obviously great to have that breadth of exposure at a great university and um, know great people who majored in different things, had different life experiences and sort of walk the random walk to where I am today. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, what just out of curiosity, what what made you pivot from um, biology to finance? Oh, well, I mean, I I would say like I was never I wasn't sure if I even wanted to major. I was just like that was something I knew that I had like put on my mm. application. Um, yeah. I actually did a little bit of engineering and I I had enough credits to actually get two degrees, but I hadn't taken all the right coursework in uh, civil engineering. So I did civil engineering for a little bit. I did some software engineering for a little bit, but I realized, especially being at MIT, that I was not even like in the top half of the class for any any of those mm. things. Yeah. Uh, but I was actually like decent at economics and I was decent at working with people. And so I wound up majoring in economics, which was pretty much like a math major <laughs> at MIT. Yeah. Um, so majoring in economics and then doing spending some time doing other extracurricular and, and leadership activities on campus as well. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's always fun to listen to how people um, pivot their careers and like how they actually apply their um, choices, their insights and values to the choices that they make, and then also see how it impacts. But yours is actually pretty uh, straightforward. I like that you made those decisions and it was very pragmatic. It's all it's very, 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 uh, what's it called? Almost uh, quantifiable. And then, mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. and then you're actually doing what you studied. So it's really cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it's great. <laughs> In a lot of ways, you're like the perfect Asian. I like it. Your parents must be super proud. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what are some of the um, really important values that you are now trying to exude both in your company and also in your um, personal life as a parent? Yeah, I think the first one, is, I don't know if you quantify this, classify it actually as uh, value or not, but the first one is just staying humble, knowing that you don't know everything. You literally no one has had this set of data at the same time, right? Like the 2023, 2024 economy, growing a business at this stage, um, all the various you know macro things going on in the world, different conflicts, uh, different supply chain issues. So literally no one has experienced this exact set of circumstances. And so just being humble, um, taking and, and listening to different opinions, understanding how different people feel and, and, and how that can impact them in their work or in their daily lives. Um, and yeah, just being pretty humble going out and trying to achieve great things but also understand different perspectives and having the empathy um then i'd say on the the flip side of that is you know there are things that i can control i can control how i how hard i work how much time i you know spend on certain categories of work and and family and so um having that you know work ethic and um that comes from a genuine place, right? Like I, no one's forcing me to work and they're like, just like no one's forcing you to do this podcast, right? But having yeah. that curiosity, having that interest and having that work ethic to really achieve those great things and, and hopefully help a lot of people as an outcome. And so that's something that uh, I really value as well. Just having that work ethic, no matter what you're doing. Beautiful. That's amazing. 
Rose, I love that. And let's um, let's let's uh, switch gears on uh, on the questions and kind of go more on to uh, some of my closing questions here because um, I uh, don't know if there's going to be a better better way to uh, stop the regular questioning. Uh, that was very very beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Humility and work ethic. Let's Thanks. Really, if I just really... want an ego boost, I'll come on this podcast now. You've been, <laughs> you've been great to chat with. <laughs> Absolutely. You can come whenever to get the ego boost, but I mean it. That's the cool thing. Like, I think that for me, like the main reason I, I started this is because there must be, there must be people that are, are figuring this out in new ways and different ways than I'm figuring it out. Right. Like how are they like navigating their careers and building that while they're building a the family and that curiosity and that, that, um, to a certain degree, humility, right? Like just knowing that like, Hey, there's other people doing this. I should ask them. You know, and mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, literally mm-hmm. the genesis of why I'm even doing this. And so you've literally encapsulated the the first half of it, you know, and and I think the work ethic part I'm starting to figure out right now as we were joking before we started the podcast, because you're like watching me do all this setup and all these things. And I'm like, yeah, I have to now because like it's become this whole thing. And it's like much harder than it used to be where I used to just flip on a recording and I talk to people. Now it's like now it's like a show, you know, now I'm like, mm-hmm, now it's mm-hmm. like work. And uh, I was trying to explain to you like that evolution, but you saying that it just like kind of crystallized and validated what I've been struggling to articulate over this year, even just doing this podcast. And so, um, I actually meant it. So it's not even just an ego boost for you. I actually mean it. I think that that's incredible. Thank value you. Prop. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so back to parenting. Talk to me about what advice you have or you would give to other working parents seeking to find success in both. Oh, I don't know if I'm in a good spot to give advice, but maybe I'll go back to the balance, right? Like making sure you know what you need. Don't, um, in the different categories of of life or fulfillment, you know, don't get down so low on like your me time that you're, it's going to negatively affect other people in your family, your work environment, right? So make sure you maintain some amount of, like, look, you don't need to go to like a yoga class every night. Like maybe that can't happen now, right? That's not yeah, realistic, yeah. but maybe you should go at least once a week, right? And see if that satisfies those, you know, me time requirements. And and you don't know what those are until sometimes you trip them, right? Sometimes you go too low and then you have to come back up. And so, uh, and that's okay too. So just, I'd say, prioritize finding out what those thresholds are for yourself, for your family, and and, and then draw those boundaries. And and then maybe it's not this, this job or maybe it's not this other thing. Like figure out what works for you. And I think, you know, the advice is pretty, pretty general, right? Like it doesn't, you know, some people, and there's no right or wrong answer. Like some people may need to go to yoga every night and that's totally fine. That's, that's who you are. So figure out what your boundaries are and then communicate those and make sure that you're working as a team with whomever you are uh, uh, working with to parent the the children. Yeah, awesome. So, um, what are your some of your goals, both professionally and um, personally, and as a parent? Um, what do you What are you thinking? Like, you want to achieve, or what do you want to achieve for yourself and um, your life in the next few years here? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll just. Being happy, being fed, having enough calories during the day. <laughs> uh, I think for, I'll, I'll break that down. Yeah, that in self could be like a whole separate podcast. But for for the company, I want to achieve, you know, we're still early stage, right? We have a number of great customers, but we want to make sure that we're helping more procurement professionals, more companies realize their 
profitability potential, their growth potential. Mm-hmm. So we want to work with as many pop companies as possible to help achieve those goals. And we want to make sure not just work with them, but make sure that we're actually delivering the right software, helping them do what they want to do faster and getting to the data they need faster. Right. So that's definitely a professional goal to make sure that we're accelerating more companies um, on the personal side. Is just really excited taking it day by day and, and seeing, you know, what what kind of activities, books, toys, things um, the kids are into. You know, we signed up our older son for a YMCA basketball league. I don't know if you call it a league at <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Five I know years old, four yeah. and a half years old, five years old. So yeah, excited for that and just seeing where, you know, and sports may not be his thing. Who knows? Maybe it is. It, it just seeing where things go naturally and just encouraging that. And I think at this time next year or in a few years, if, if folks are happy and doing the things that they like doing and enjoy doing, they don't feel forced to be doing that. I think that's, that's pretty successful. Nice. Nice way to articulate it. That's awesome. Um, and then, and then can you just share with the listeners, um, you know, maybe like the most funniest or most rewarding moment you've had building your business while building your family over the last few years? Um, well, I, 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 my memory, you know, because I'm not sleeping that much, my memory's not that great. So I'll just <laughs> share something that happened the last, I literally like last week. So on the business awesome. front, uh, we helped one of our customers roll out our preparing software to the entire company. So they're, they're at an 800 person company, global, you know, they've got operations, US, Australia, Europe, you know, n- you name it, maybe not Antarctica, but they're a highly global company. And uh, one of our key points of context there sent us a screenshot from a product leader of a very large business internally saying how this tool has made his life easier using procurement and a digital platform rather than having to send emails and shepherd a request across you know 10 different teams and you know doing things wrong and so that was just great to share with the team because not only was he using the platform but he was a leader inside the company and so that was really rewarding um on the the kid front just really seeing how much joy little things can bring to kids so i went to uh we hosted an event um a female in finance event in new york and um the sponsor they had these like cute little you know christmas ornaments that couldn't have been worth more than like two dollars like monetary value right so i brought two of those home and they were just so excited to put additional ornaments on the tree and just seeing that pure joy and seeing that you as we grow older we like put different emphasis on money and monetary thing but you know sort of having a reset and being um you know not biased by power or money or anything like that and just like be able to be really happy about really simple things that mm-hmm. happen in life that's awesome and then um, I, I'm, I'm trying to this um, this thing. I've been really thinking a lot about it. But because you said that you go Montessori, I'm actually curious about it because I don't know if you've been reading up on it or keeping up with this whole unschool movement. Have you heard of this where there's more and more people starting to homeschool because the school system is, you know, like really cranking out, you know, productive mm. workers versus like actually like, you know, adapting to the needs of the the student, you know? And so I just yeah. love your take on that. What do you think about this whole movement? You know, Young, I honestly don't have a strong take on that. I think it's like you do you. If you think homeschooling is better and you have the resources and time, go do it. The reason why we go to the Montessori school is because it's eight minutes from our house. 
Relish, that's amazing. Like, it's so like, I mean, I'm sure there are other schools nearby, but that was, I mean, of course, they're, it's a great school, right? Like, it's safe. They, the kids have fun there. They look forward to going, but like, it's eight minutes from our house. Yeah. That was the uh, best answer ever. That was awesome. Okay, very good. Uh, and then just to close us out, um, do you have a favorite book that you can recommend? Oh, uh, there are a lot of great books. I would say, again, I'll go with recency because, you know, my memory doesn't work that well. <laughs> um, I, I recently just listened to uh, Peter Atien's Outlive. Yeah. And I'll give you, I'm not ruining anything for anyone. Um, don't eat so much sugar and move around a little bit. So, and you'll live longer. <laughs> so that's sort of nice. um, the gist of it. But, but it is really, you know, joking aside, it, it, it is actually kind of sad how little I knew about how my, you know, the body worked. Like, do you know what the kidney does? Do you know what the liver does? How does it do it? Right. Like, do you know how sugar impacts different parts of your body? Like, how do you right. convert sugar to energy that your cells use? So, really, some of these things that aren't rocket science, um, maybe I learned them in biology class, maybe not. I can tell you I did learn a good chunk of that in biology class. And so just knowing how and being curious about how your body works and how you can actually help yourself um, while not trading off that many things you enjoy uh, as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a good one, I think, uh, is relevant literally for every human being. Yeah, I've been getting super into um, longevity and, and and movement and like researching a lot of this stuff over the last like month or two. Um, my body is just not working. Um, and I, I can like feel it. And so mm -hmm. I just started this process of getting into it. It's crazy how little I know. Like I genuinely mm -hmm. don't even know how to answer that question. I don't even know. I have a general sense of what my kidney does, but I don't actually know what it does, you know? And so mm -hmm. um, it, it is really kind of um, an interesting factoid to level out because um, why don't we know that? We know so much about yeah. stuff that we that doesn't even matter. And yeah, but you're with this thing every single yeah. day, every single hour, like hour second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go read that book. I appreciate it. It's kind of like my cheat code to getting good books to read to my list. So I'll definitely incorporate that because especially it's like hot and heavy on my mind right now, and I've been like mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. focused in on that. Um, so yeah, yeah thank you for that. Um, yeah, no Rose, problem. this was awesome. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be on my show and sharing a little bit about your journey as a parent and as an entrepreneur, and then getting to know you a little bit better. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for the time, Young. Thank really you so much. It. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. This episode of The Girl Dad Show is brought to you by you. We have been working very hard to bring you the best guests and content to the show and have been steadily growing month over month. And we're finally ready to start talking to businesses that want to partner with us to promote on our show. So if you know anyone that would be interested in having me promote their business on The Girl Dad Show, please email us at young at thegirldadshow.com. Thank you for your support and look forward to learning how to be a great parent together.